Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just when you thought all the sharp rhetoric was in the Illinois governor's race, the gloves are starting to come off in the race for state attorney general. That means it's time to get to know another one of the Democratic candidates just a little better. This weekend, it's a talk with Jesse Ruiz. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is Chicago Park District Board President Jesse Ruiz, who is one of the Democrats in the crowded primary race for Illinois Attorney General. It's been a wide open field since incumbent Lisa Madigan's surprise announcement that she is not running for another term. Mr. Ruiz is an attorney, of course. Uh, he's a partner at the law firm of Drinker, Riddle, and Wreath. In addition to his uh, pro bono or volunteer work, uh, Jesse Ruiz has made his name in public service. He was the chairman of the Illinois State Board of Education and vice president of the Chicago Board of Ed. He was briefly interim public school CEO after Barbara Bird Bennett was indicted in a kickback scheme and forced out. Jesse Ruiz, welcome. Thank you, Craig. Um, well, this is a crowded Democratic primary field. Uh, I guess to uh, some people it would be an embarrassment of riches. Uh, but it's starting to look like the candidates are going to have to get a little rough if uh, they're going to get some attention. I know that uh, this week the uh, all eight of you had what I guess would be your first uh, formal uh, debate. How difficult is it to distinguish yourself with everyone claiming to be independent and trustworthy? Well, I think it's uh, not that difficult if you look at uh, our backgrounds and, and uh, you know, who we are, where we come from, and our, our totality of our life experiences. And that's what you bring to any position you're going to hold. And, and that's what I put forward to the voters of Illinois, that I believe my background makes me uniquely qualified. And I've distinguished myself, my independence, uh, and frankly, my ethical behavior in every role I've ever held, standing up and always, you know, calling things out when I see them that aren't right and always doing the right thing, regardless of the pressures and, and the forces that may oftentimes be at play. What is it in your background that best prepares you for this? Well, I, I think my, my upbringing, frankly. Uh, you know, son of Mexican immigrant parents. My dad came here with very little formal education as a migrant farm worker, uh, picked crops all over the United States until he, he uh, came to Chicago in the late 1940s, worked very hard all his life met my mom and they were married and then he brought her here to Mexico, grew up in Roseland neighborhood of Chicago. And so I have working class background. I understand the struggles of working class families in Illinois because of their sacrifices and hard work. I was able to go to the University of Illinois, with only $300 in my pocket and put myself through college and then go on to the University of Chicago Law School, blessed to study under President Barack Obama. You know, I've had a chance at the American dream and I worry that that is at risk not only from our president and Bruce Rauner, uh, you know, D Donald Trump is is um, making constitutional challenges in our country an everyday occurrence, and attorneys general are the, the line of defense against that. And then continue to working on making sure that all Illinoisans continue to have a shot at the American dream that I've had a shot at. 
and making sure that you know there's there's uh, you know consumer protection, environmental protection. We protect health care, ensure that we have criminal justice reform and an open, honest, and transparent government that everyone in Illinois deserves. Well, we might as well talk about uh, President Trump uh, since we have mentioned him because the big story as we were reaching the end of the week uh, were some uh, uh, reportedly, and I think uh, it's been more or less confirmed, uh, vulgar comments that the president made about uh, certain countries. And frankly, he was saying, why do we have to take immigrants from these countries he was talking about Salvador. He was talking about Haiti and some African nations. And he said, why can't we take people from more people from Norway? Um, given that your campaign started uh, in part because of anger at the kinds right. of things candidate Trump said, how are you what strikes you about these comments? Well, it strikes me, and you're right. You know, on June 16, 2015, when you know we recall he came down the escalator at Trump Tower, and and he, you know, part of his announcement was attacking Mexicans, and he said, when Mexico sends its people, they don't send their best. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Well, I just told you about my father. He was a hardworking American uh, that contributed to this country, uh, never broke a law, and it was insulting to every not only Mexican American but every immigrant. And then just uh, this past week. He doubles down and, and confirms that he is a racist, uh, that he, he holds racist beliefs, that he wants to discriminate against people of color, uh, and, and he prefers you know, folks from Norway, uh, which is not a predominantly uh, a minority country. And so he's you know, confirmed what we all suspect, and, uh, given his past behavior, that he's truly a racist, uh, and it's unfortunate that our country as a racist occupying the Oval Office. Now, we've talked about the kind, this kind of issue, not necessarily racism, but, but the power of a president to direct national policy uh, on this program uh, within the last several weeks, uh, talking about the Constitution. But how concerned are you that uh, a decision, and he was making a decision when mm -hmm. he made those comments, uh, about he was rejecting a proposal on dealing with people who have been here for a long time under protected status, and he's taking that away. Um, how s concerned are you that that kind of attitude is going to guide U.S. policy, or will Congress steer it more toward the center? Well, that's why we have uh, checks and balances in our government. And, and that is the fear. And I think that's what the founders were thinking when we established separate powers. And uh, I only hope and pray that our leaders in Congress and, and thank God for Senator Durbin, who was there and, and confirmed that the president, in fact, did say those words. I saw him this past Friday and personally asked him uh, and, and he confirmed that what has been reported are the words that came out of the president's mouth. And so we need the members of Congress. And they were there, you're right, discussing uh, a, a fix to the DREAM Act and some you know, other immigration law reforms. And this is his view. And we've seen it in the past. Uh, you know, if you recall, during World War II, you know, our country sent away the St. Louis that was here uh, on our, our with filled with refugees, Jews who were seeking uh, to flee the Holocaust and, and Nazis in Germany. And we turned them away. And uh, it's in essence what we're doing again today, uh, what this president is seeking to do today. 
and uh, we look back and we see what a mistake that was to turn away the St. Louis. It's the same mistake that he's trying to repeat, and I trust we're a lot more enlightened today, and I trust that even the Republican leadership is a lot more enlightened today and will stand up to this racist rhetoric and his racist intent in trying to form immigration policy for our nation. Uh, I do want to turn to uh, some things having to do specifically with this race. Uh, When uh, you and the seven other Democratic candidates met before the Sun-Times editorial board, uh, among the issues that were discussed was money. Um, Former Governor Pat Quinn, one of your seven rivals, specifically tagged you and State Senator Kwame Raoul as candidates who took campaign cash from People's Gas. He suggested, as, as well that, as Nancy Rotaring, who also yes, I was, we all I was received. Gonna, I was going to mention the, the same Nancy contributions. Uh, he he left one out. Nancy Rotaring, in fact, uh, also took uh, money from People's Gas. But he suggested that uh, those who do couldn't go up against utility companies the way he was doing when he was making a, a statement uh, earlier in the week uh, over People's proposal for a construction program and a likely rate hike. Uh, what about that that theory that if you're taking money from a big utility, you can't really uh, be an advocate against it? Well, you know, he, in fact, has taken money from executives of some of those big utilities. And so I hope he understands, you know, who's paying those. It's, in essence, those same companies he's railing against. And as distinguished from one of my other competitors who took money from a large tobacco um, baron controlling one company, that's got a pending matter before the attorney general's office. These companies don't have any pending matters before the attorney general's office. And I've never pulled any punches in my public service uh, and, and will hold you know the utilities and any other company accountable because my duty is to my clients. My clients will be the people of Illinois. And I will defend them zealously when their rights are being infringed upon by any party, be it our president of the United States or a local company. Um. What could you point to that would assure people that you are willing to stand up to those who might otherwise be your friends or uh, or benefactors? Yeah, I, I've always done so. I've been appointed by by uh, governors, mayors, U.S. secretaries of education to positions, and uh, with the understanding that I, I go in there with my own integrity and my own good name, and uh, I will serve the interest of the people that we're there to serve, not the individual who appointed me. And so when I've had to call out my friends at the school board, I've called them out. When I've had to oppose, um, you know, I oppose the general counsel uh, hiring at CPS that led to uh, the entire unfortunate incident with Forrest Claypool having to resign. And I spoke out about these things, was one of only two board members who voted against him. And um, shortly thereafter, I I left the school board uh, and I knew that could have been connected uh, and uh, yet my duty was to the students of CPS, the citizens of Chicago, and have always voted my conscience and have voted what I thought was right, regardless of whatever position I was in or whatever uh, harm would come to me. And when I was in Springfield as a state board of education chairman, there were legislators trying to put member initiative dollars into our budget. And sometimes those were not appropriate. And I spoke out, including in one instance where the legislator was so upset, he introduced a bill to uh, abolish the state board that I sat on and it passed the house. And uh, that position was not as important as doing the right thing and abiding by the law. And I've always done that in my career. Um, You have questioned former Governor Pat Quinn's record on ethics. Uh, He's probably the candidate with the highest name recognition in this race. Correct. Uh, And uh, and he often talks about standing up for consumers. What uh, what do you see in his record? 
Well, I see, unfortunately, the incidents we saw at IDOT, where there was, a, a you know, obviously um, patronage hiring and uh, pushing his administration, pushing through, uh, you know, those employees that uh, shouldn't have been pushed through. We saw it with neighborhood recovery dollars that he was taking taxpayer dollars. And, and he talks about being a strong advocate for taxpayers, but yet, you know, he used taxpayer dollars to try to benefit his own campaign right before the reelection, which he lost. And, uh, you know, we have to remember those things. Yes, he's got name recognition, but he also has a record that he has to stand behind. And uh, I have not heard him defend those actions. And uh, as well as, you know, the veterans home where some of the officials that he put in were, were still there. And we see the recent incident that broke on Governor Rauner's watch. And he has complicity in that, too. But, uh, you know, Pat Quinn also has to take responsibility for all those actions. And again, I was chairman of the state board uh, while he was governor. And the incident I talked to you about, uh, you know, happened uh, again while I was at the state. And I refused to fund that member initiative dollars, even though his administration asked our board to do so. But I stood up and I said, you can have my resignation, but you can't have me make this action that you're asking to make to help benefit this legislature because you want their vote for whatever it is you wanted it for. Um, you also uh, mentioned a rival who is taking contributions from uh, big tobacco companies. Uh, you are referring to uh, State Senator Kwame Raoul. Correct. Who is the candidate who, if there's another possible front runner, he's the one who's endorsed by the Cook County Democratic uh, Party. What is the problem with taking tobacco money? Well, one, the forum, he took it from one gentleman that controls 10 different companies. He took $100,000. Uh, and that's bad enough that you're circumventing campaign finance rules that were in effect at the time. Another candidate has since broken the caps. And so uh, you're violating the spirit of the law by letting one individual give you $100,000. And that one individual's companies have pending matters before the Illinois Attorney General's office. Then State Senator Lisa Madigan's standard when she was running 16 years ago was that she would not take money from anyone who had a pending matter before the, because these matters go on for a while. This is a te- part of the tobacco settlement. And so in essence, you're, attempt, you're taking an advanced bribe from a party that is going to be, you're going to be overseeing and have influence over a matter they have pending where millions of dollars could be uh, paid to the state of Illinois or not paid to the state of Illinois based on your, your office's decisions and actions. And so to take that money while a matter is pending before is highly unethical. And the last thing we need in Illinois is another ethically challenged politician, let alone an ethically challenged attorney general. But can he not fairly say what you said about taking money from companies? Uh, as long as they don't have pending matters that it's you know active arbitrations or litigation, that is the bright line rule you don't go over. Uh, Lisa Madigan never went over it. I have not gone over it. Uh, Kwame Raoul didn't see that bright line. And so you have to question his ethics and his judgment in taking that money when it just looks horrible. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is lawyer and Chicago Park District Board President Jesse Ruiz, who is a Democratic candidate for Illinois Attorney General. And, uh, some of the candidates uh, who are running for this office feel the attorney general's office under Lisa Madigan hasn't done enough to combat public corruption. Some others say the feds are better equipped to do that at some levels. Where do, where do you come down on that? Well, I think we need to continue to do more. 
Um, I think that the matters that that were brought to the attorney general's office in the last 16 years were fully prosecuted. You know, the attorney general was investigating uh, Rod Bogoyevich when Pat Fitzgerald, then the U.S. attorney said, no, stand down. And, and this case is ours. And that happens at times where the federal government, the U.S. attorney's office feels like and they are truly better equipped to do this. And they do that. Nevertheless, the attorney general has an important role in making sure we root out corruption. It could use more tools. And I would question my opponents who have been members uh, of uh, of the General Assembly that it needs statewide grand jury authority, which it does not currently possess. I have not seen them, you know, jump up and down and ask for this authority, you know, prior to now being a candidate for office. Uh, I've not seen Pat Quinn ever ask for this authority prior to now being a candidate to office. And so, yes, we need additional tools. And the first day in office, I will seek that additional authority, but also, you know, seek to, to uh, make sure that we enforce the tools we have there now uh, and, you know, make sure we uh, enforce the Open Meetings Act and the Freedom of Information Act to let journalists to make sure that they have open access to, to government documents to keep everybody honest. I mean, my own colleagues at the Chicago School Board do not conduct their board briefings in public. And I've, you know, mentioned that to them in the years I was on there. It was one of my regrets that we never got to do that. And in my exit uh, from the school board and my exit interview with the Chicago Sun-Times in December of 2015, I called on them to do it. I continue to call on them to do it. And with the power on the Office of Attorney General, I will make them do it. As a, as a as a reporter, one of the uh, one of my frustrations with the uh, school board is that its meetings aren't televised or streamed or anything like that. I've always been surprised at that. I, I believe they are streamed. Oh, are they, and are rec- they streamed? Yeah, they are streamed. Oh, streamed and and at the State Board of Education, when I was chair, two days a month I would have to be in Springfield because one of those days we were committees of the whole. Well, all our business was done in open meeting, in public broadcast live on the internet simultaneously so you could always hear. And I never had reporters complaining to me, uh, as they sometimes do when I was on the Chicago Board of Education, that they didn't have full access to information. I mean, that's something that I've thought gives us integrity, gives us you know, the mandate to serve the people of Illinois with integrity if we're open and honest about everything we're doing. Folks don't always disagree, but at least they know. And it was interesting that, um, you know, we... we uh, we sometimes disagreed, but it was a collegial group that would come to State Board of Education because they trusted in the integrity of what was happening. Um, what is your philosophy of what the Office of Attorney General should be? I mean, how do you balance the consumer protection aspects versus the law enforcement aspects? Sure. It's, uh, and and uh, if looking for one theme in how I would approach all the functions, and, and there's various challenges that come up from time to time, but just protecting the American dream. I think it's truly at risk. I think that's why we've, you know, we, we uh, put Trump in the White House. People are frustrated that they don't think there's a level playing field and making sure you use the office to make sure there's a level playing field for working families in Illinois so that the chances I had to come here, you know, with immigrant parents or my parents came here as immigrants, raise a family and, and um, you know, uh, and uh, working class income you know, is that chance still available for future generations? Is that chance available for, you know, middle-class Illinoisans today? And ensuring to make sure that office does that. So if, you know, fraudulent lenders are trying to load up students with burdensome debt, that's unfair. We call that out. Make sure that students can still afford to go to college and not just be uh, drowning in debt that just makes the, the quality of their life going forward once they graduate from college, you know, uh, not as good as what their parents had. We, you know, that's always been the American dream that people get to, you know, hopefully do as well, if not better than their parents, because their parents work hard to sacrifice and make those 
and those opportunities possible. We have to ensure and use all the powers of the office to protect our environment, to protect access to health care, to make sure we have open, honest, and transparent government, to make sure we have criminal justice reform, and that those who put their lives on the line and serve and protect us every day are serving us with integrity. By and large, almost all officers do, but we're going to have a consent decree in the city of Chicago. We have to make sure it serves the interest of the fine men and women who wear the uniform every day, but also improve the culture so the trust between the community and police is there, and it's to all our benefit. And that will be a big part of the job of the attorney general going forward. Um, The uh, current attorney general, Lisa Madigan, in fact, sued the city of Chicago in order to um, force a uh, consent decree. How do you think that process is going so far? Uh, I know we haven't heard all that much Mm -hmm. about it. And and do you think it's going well or how much of a jump start? I I, I don't have a lot of insights on how the process is going. Uh, I I trust uh, the attorney general and her staff that they're reaching out and getting all the input, uh, you know, that that it needs. Um, I'm, I'm honored that Lori Lightfoot is a uh, advisor and a supporter of our campaign and is advising me on how uh, we should approach that go forward uh, when I have the, I hope, the honor and privilege of serving the people of Illinois as attorney general. We will make sure we will oversee that consent decree and if it's completed or not completed at that time to make sure that going forward we work with the city. And, and I served on school boards where we were under, my first Public office was on the Chicago Public Schools Desegregation Monitoring Commission that was put in place by a consent decree with the Justice Department over the segregation of Chicago Public Schools. That was in place for almost 30 years. This is going to be in place for a while, and we're going to work to transform the culture of the police force and making sure that uh, we have a police force that has the trust and confidence in the community. And statewide, it's not only the issue here in Chicago, but we see that with uh, a lot of police shootings in suburban Chicago as well, uh, that you know has been reported in the media of late as well. And so it's a statewide issue and looking and seeing, how, just like we've done with teachers, and looking and seeing how we worked with college of, colleges of education to transform the types of t- teachers we need to prepare for our classrooms today and the challenges they're facing today. Same thing with police officers, to professionalize them, support them. Uh, they work in very high trauma situations and make sure we support those officers so they can, in turn, continue to serve and protect us with integrity. What's your feeling about citizen involvement in this? I know uh, the uh, police uh, uh, accountability group in Chicago is called the Citizen Mm -hmm. Office of Police Accountability. There's still no uh, citizen board Mm -hmm. yet. Uh, What's your feeling about where that should fall in the reform of the Chicago Police Department? A, A required and necessary component. Uh, is again, I think the faith in the system has to be built. And part of that is having citizens from a variety of, of, of paths and communities and walks of life that have to be represented in there to make sure there's accountability from the very folks who are uh, being protected by, and, and particularly, you know, those most affected by, by violence in the communities that are struggling uh, and, and seeking to have uh, justice in their communities done, to have peaceful and safe communities, but done with justice and integrity. Um, you're not on the school board anymore, but, uh, I, I'm curious, uh, now that you're off and I've heard you argue, uh, against having an elected school board. Um, um I, and I, I have calls. since, frankly, I have since changed my position because they have not, uh, changed the way they operate. Um, and I did speak out, uh, against hiring the general counsel, the entire 
uh, chain of events that led to Forrest Claypool's resignation began because I reported this to the chief ethics officer right before I left the board at CPS. And, and, and so I was frustrated that, that one, um, I hate to say I told them so, but I did, and, and uh, I wasn't listened to, and that they haven't gone to open board briefings and been board, more democratic in their process. So I, I've since changed my position. I support an elected school board. Uh, completely elected or, or a hybrid uh, where some are appointed and some are elected? I, I could see a hybrid working, but um, if it's completely elected, I could support that as well. Now, have you changed your mind at all about the vote to uh, to close the the fifty some odd schools? It, it it was a gut wrenching decision, and unfortunately, you know, again, I grew up in the Roseland neighborhood of Chicago, and I my mom is still there uh, since nineteen sixty one on one hundred sixteenth Street, and uh, the neighborhood is vastly different, and unfortunately, a lot of the people that used to be there when I was growing up are no longer there because. You know, the, the uh, uh, Rockwell or International Harvester factory that was on 119th is no longer there. Electromotive on 103rd isn't there. Sherwin-Williams on 115th is a fraction of what it was. Uh, you know, the Pullman Standard rail car factory on 111th that, that uh, was then the Ryerson coil processing plant that I worked at before going to law school, uh, it's now a, a commer- commercial retail strip. So all the great jobs that were there left. And, and, and um, of course, the people left too. And so it's unfortunate that we've seen tens of thousands of students leaving our city. And so it would be an injustice to leave these schools in, in under-resourced schools, schools that are built for a thousand plus students uh, that have, uh, seems like no life in them because you only have, you know, 150 kids in them. and You can't provide the full array of classes and a full array of, of supports for those students if there's not a critical mass, that's at least hundreds of students. And so bringing those students together in one place where you can give them the adequate resources, surround them with all the supports, is the, is the necessary thing to do. And some of those buildings are very old. And uh, if, if a roof goes out, you can't put, fix, you know, 10% of the roof, even though 10% students, 10% of the students are there. And there's millions and millions of dollars that have to go in these buildings that, frankly, um, don't have uh, a lot of useful life left. And they're not built for the way students should be educated today. So it's unfortunate. We have to work on all the system. Thus, I'm focusing on using the office to ensure we, we preserve the American dream and make sure we, we have investment in those underinvested communities so that we can keep those residents there, there and stop losing students so we don't have to consolidate them into the existing schools. We only have about a minute or so, uh, but uh, maybe two. Uh, how uh, how much should the office, as it has seemed to be in the last couple of uh, or in last year, be a part of a resistance to things going on in Washington? I know California has been part of this. Hawaii, Illinois have been launching lawsuits. How much do you want to see that continue? When there's infringement on the rights of Illinoisans uh, and others. Uh, then yes, I think we owe it to the people of Illinois to stand up and protect their rights. Uh, it's not a, a, just a political uh, axe to grind against Donald Trump. Uh, I, I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump, but but I'm also not in favor of frivolous lawsuits. If I believe our rights have been infringed upon, that's when it's appropriate to take action against Donald Trump, against Bruce Rauner, or anyone else, be it a private or public individual or party. That's what the office is for, to protect our rights. And, and whenever they're infringed upon by anyone, 
or, or, or any company uh, or, or any entity, you know, we will take action and, and seek justice for the people of Illinois. Are there any uh, battles that you see coming down the pike that uh, really need to be met now or in the near future? I mean, there, there's changes, our protection to our privacy. You know, the Equifax case is a good example. Uh, the opioid crisis that, you know, we have to look at those drunk companies who are, over, you know, may, well well aware that you know, there are certain uh, areas where there's just overprescribed and we need to go after that uh, and make sure that, and obviously criminal justice reform here in Chicago and in surrounding areas uh, to make sure there's integrity uh, in the protection we receive. We support our, our, our law enforcement, uh, but we also help them to improve the culture and, and how they protect us. Well, that is Attorney General candidate Jesse Ruiz, who's also the uh, head of the Chicago Park District Board. Thank you very much. For Thank you so much, Craig. Hour. Pleasure to uh, be here. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is... It's a, it's a new one, or at least a new, uh, it's the same site, new uh, address, wbbmnewsradio.com. That's wbbmnewsradio.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of Ad Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.